Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by 91N. You are listening to Season 4, Episode 2 of Full Time. I'm your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. A reminder our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly. And uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we welcome you back to full time as we are coming to the tail end of summer. It's worth noting that this true end well means that good things are on the horizon. Gatano, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Scarps. How are you? No complaints on my NG. In today's show, we will look at the summer transfer market. We will analyze Europe's Big Five. We'll look at results from the Women's World Cup, which concluded a little over a week ago. We'll have a look at the MLS as league play has begun once more. And we will give you all a local soccer update. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And before we get into today's show, folks, here at the Game Sports Show, one of our very own had a super special day. This past Saturday, our leader, friend, and fellow sports lover, David McKegg, got married. I was at the wedding as uh, David and I are family. The wedding itself was absolutely beautiful. It was a fantastic day, uh, a brilliant occasion, and a lot of fun. So on behalf of Gaetano and myself, uh, we want to send out a big congratulations to you, Dave. We are super happy for you, brother. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, Let's kick off. We begin today's show by looking at the summer transfer window. There are just a matter of days before the window closes and clubs will have a short period of time to get their final deals and signings over the line. Katana, we've continued to highlight most of the dealings in the transfer market here on our show. Since we last spoke, what have your thoughts been regarding the deals that have continued to occur? It's funny. The last time we spoke about it, we call it silly season, like crazy transfers. And then it's just like tenfold every time. And like we're talking now, I think the deadline's in what two or three days, like even be- between then and now, like it's going to be even crazier. There's so many good rumors flying around, so many huge rumors. It's been mental. It's one of those things that just gets better <laughs> by the day, isn't it? Well, what we're going to do now is we are going to get into some of the, the most recent dealings in the world of football, and uh, we're definitely going to be highlighting Silly Season as it's been coined here on our show so many times. All of the information attained here is from Football 365, so be sure to check them out for up-to-date articles of all of the latest dealings in the summer transfer window. First, it's Moises Caicedo, who goes from Brighton to Chelsea for $100 million plus $15 million in add-ons. After Liverpool had a 110 million bid on the table, Chelsea rescued young Moises Caicedo and finally agreed a deal with Brighton after several bids. Gaetano, a record-breaking fee for the defensive midfielder. Your thoughts here? I, I said the same thing about Declan Rice. And I'll say it again here. Like I just, as great as of a player as they both are, I just I can't wrap my head around spending a hundred million pounds or euros on a defensive midfielder. Like at least with like attackers, you can like you can quantify that with goals and assists. But like it's just crazy, like 115 million on a defensive midfielder. Like just wild. And he's a he's a phenomenal player, and he's still so young, and there's he has so much like ceiling to grow. 
but like, yeah, just wild. Staggering money, but it's one of those things that I was like you. I couldn't understand why uh, they would fork out this amount of money for a defensive midfielder. But the answer that I came up with was that because Chelsea can continue <laughs> to do it. And I'm sure that before the, the window shuts, they'll be doing it a little bit more. Harry Kane goes from Tottenham to Bayern Munich for 86 million plus 14 million in add-ons. Some late shenanigans were not going to stop Bayern completing a club and Bundesliga record signing for Kane. Kane felt like it was time to leave his boyhood club. Gatano, it uh, what appears, I would say, to, to be a big blow to Spurs uh, as their main man has left the club, although they've been playing pretty good to start the season, I must admit. Uh, this is still a massive boost for Bayern Munich. What can you say for this one? This is probably one of my favorite transfers of the summer for two reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, he's out of the Premier League, which is just great because he's been a pain in Man City's rear end for a very long time. It didn't matter how well we played against him. He always just like created something out of nothing and like, yeah, hated playing against him. Love him as a player. But like he genuinely, if it's if he'd say at Spurs, he'd go down as one of the best players to never win like a major trophy. Like seriously, like he everyone's won something except for him. So I'm so glad he's going to go to the Bundesliga. They're going to walk it now. I just, <laughs> I can't see anyone there like remotely getting close to them. Uh, that front three of Sané, Nabry, and Harry Kane is just, <laughs> that's like one of the best in Europe. Like they're, they're almost favorites for the Champions League now. I love this transfer so much. It's great. Uh, I agree. And uh, I believe Harry Kane's about 29, 30 odd, give or take. Yep. And uh, if you're going to win trophies, you better start doing it soon. And like you said, probably would have gone down as one of the best players to never win something. And even though he played for a rival in Tottenham, I actually like Harry Kane as a player, and I think he's a great professional. So uh, definitely his time to, to start winning some trophies. And there's no doubt that uh, they'll probably have the Bundesliga wrapped up sometime in early February. <laughs> Neymar goes from Paris Saint-Germain to Al-Hilal for $86.3 million. And one of the least surprising developments of the summer, Brazil international Neymar has left PSG to move to the Saudi Pro League. He will earn over $129 million a year in the Middle East. Gaetano, an insane amount of money here. The floor is yours. Yeah, this is, uh, this is it was going from one of my favorite transfers to one of my least favorites. Like, I think if you told me in like 2015 that Neymar at 31 would be playing in Saudi Arabia with, you know, only one uh, Champions League, a couple league titles like no world cups, no major individual honors. Like I just, I wouldn't have believed you. He had like the whole world in his hands and he just kind of, I don't want to say he fumbled it, but that move to PSG just kind of never worked out for what he wanted it to be. And it's, it's a shame to see him like already at 31 to be kind of moving to Saudi Arabia to be like out of Europe. It's uh, it's not great. It's definitely not great, but it, it almost, I mean, you can't, I suppose you can't necessarily judge everything by press conferences and what you read in uh, the articles and things like this, but it doesn't even seem that Neymar is too bothered. He knows he's getting an insane amount of money, but like you said, to have the whole world in your hands, to be one of uh, the best football players in the world for an extended period of time and to kind of let things go at, at about 30, 31 years old, it is a little bit sad to see, but it's unfortunate for, for him anyways, that things didn't materialize into more trophies and into more accolades, but I'm sure he'll, he'll have a lot of fun scoring a lot of goals in the Saudi pro league. Yosko uh, Guardiol goes from RB Leipzig to Manchester City for 77 million. Pep Guardiola is hardly short of options at center back, but he could not turn down the opportunity to sign one of the best young defenders around for a fee 20 million lower than his reported release clause. 
Gee, this is likely to be a huge signing for your Manchester City as uh, the Croatian is a highly sought after defender, particularly after the World Cup this past winter, which we got to see and analyze uh, to the highest degree. Uh, what can you say about this one personally, Gaetano? This is this is huge. This isn't just like a, you know, sometimes you make a signing for like a, kind of a small period. You're trying to, you know, win something in the next three, five years. Like he could legitimately be at City for the next 15 years. And if his kind of growth and potential kind of goes the way that everyone's expecting it to, like he could, we City could have the two best center backs in the world with him and Ruben Diaz at the club for the next 10, 12 years. It's, it's incredible. He's already so good. And you just know that Pep is going to make him even better. Uh, this is just, yeah, a huge, huge, huge signing. Uh, identifying talent, seeing what it can do in early moments and getting it over the line. And he will be eased in. But like you said, this is a long-term thing. He's going to do wonders at Manchester City. Rasmin Holland goes from Atalanta to Manchester United for $64 million plus $8 million in add-ons. Manchester United needed to sign a striker this summer. And while most of their supporters would have preferred Harry Kane, they have settled on a relatively untested 19-year-old as a cheaper alternative. Gaetano, is this a massive gamble or a surefire signing for United? Well, I mean, you say cheaper alternative. He's like, he is cheaper than Kane cost, but he was still like, what, 65, 70 something million with add-ons? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, over <laughs> million. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it is cheaper, but like, man, like spending 70 odd million on a 19 year old who's barely played a full season, uh, like, it's just, he has all the potential in the world to justify that fee and more, but like, I just think United shouldn't be looking at kind of potential right now. Like they need someone who can, they know can score goals. That's been a huge issue for them for the last couple of years. And I think, you know, spending 70 odd million on the hope that Hoyland kind of turns into what they want him to. Not the smartest, but I definitely think they could have spent that money better, got kind of a more consistent goal score, like a known quantity for now. But yeah, I think, I think there's every chance that this move, turns out phenomenal and he's a you know in a couple of years talking about a bargain i think in a couple of years we could also be talking about a massive waste of 70 million yeah and you know what for me Gaetano, i have to admit if, if somebody asks me is this is this a surefire signing or is it a gamble i lean more to the side of gamble because he isn't necessarily proven obviously a good young player but he, there was a there was a quote uh i forget which game it was after but roy Keane, uh they were talking amongst the panel and uh he goes it's United should just go out and sign Kane from Spurs. And everyone starts to laugh. He goes, no, they should. It's Manchester United. Just go and get him. And it's one of those things where if they couldn't get him, they probably would have liked to have gotten somebody who's been proven, who has scored uh, an abundance of goals and who has, you know, the, the sort of accolades and, and the know-how. But time will tell with this signing because he is quite literally uh, a kid in his teens, yeah. but an immense amount of money for such a young player. Jeremy Doku goes from Rennes to Manchester City for $55 million. After interest from several other clubs had been sparked, it was Manchester City who signed the 21-year-old. With pace to burn and an abundance of tricks in one-on-one -on -one situations, Doku has completed the move to City. Pep Guardiola felt he needed something different out wide, and now City have got their man. Gee, another massive signing for your Manchester City. Take it away, sir. Yeah, this is a funny one. So last uh, episode, we were talking about Riyad Mahrez and how his signing was kind of Guardiola shifting away from like super pacey direct wingers, more like controlled, uh, like possession based guys. And then, you know, a week later, he goes out and signs Jeremy Doku, who is an absolute dribble machine. I think one of the top three in Europe last year. Uh, 
just a mad amount of pace, just absolutely rapid. I'm so looking forward to that link up on the right-hand side with Kyle Walker. I think that's going to be like kind of shades of like 17, 18 Sterling and Walker. And yeah, I think this is has all the potential to be a really, really, really fun, exciting signing that's going to like bring a real spark to Man City's attack. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a fair comparison. Obviously, you would know better than I because uh, you've kept close, uh, close eye, closer eye on him than I have. But uh, this is like Adama Traore, but with just an abundance more skill. Am I? Am I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that comparison a lot. It's like Adama Traore, but he can finish. Like that's because yeah. <laughs> Adama yeah. Traore is phenomenal at beating guys, but like you could. Like he couldn't hit a barn if like he's just awful. He's just so awful in one on ones. But yeah, Doku is uh, a pretty good goal scoring record. Still pretty young, and you know Pep is just going to make him an absolute machine, and it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's uh, fun for him, and it'll be frightening for every <laughs> uh, in the in the English Premier League. Romeo Lavia goes from Southampton to Chelsea for fifty three million plus five million in add ons. After having a summer twenty twenty two deadline day of fifty million. Uh, predictably and understandably rejected by Southampton, Chelsea returned one year later, shortly after the Saints had been relegated, to sign their target. It was reported that the fee for Lavia had only slightly risen when Chelsea came in for him. Liverpool, oddly enough, missed out on yet another player that they had hoped to sign in Lavia. Gatano, what can you make of this based on yet another player signing on for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, Romeo Lavia out of the City Academy, phenomenal young player. He's He's got all the potential to be one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. So I think for 53 million, like, I think that's a really good gamble for Chelsea. It's not crazy expensive. Like, I definitely think they can, if he doesn't work out, they can recover at least, at least part or most of that fee. Um, but yeah, I don't hate the fact that Chelsea is rebuilding right now. Uh, you know, they obviously need to. New manager, new owner, like, the old squad was just uh, horrific. But like, yeah, just like another 50 million pound player. To, to add to their squad i think they, their still squad is still like 30 odd players like it's it's wild i assume more guys are going to go uh, in the next few days here but the actual just lavia to chelsea i think it's a really really good signing for them i also think it's a good signing too and with everything going on at chelsea you could have all the best players in the world and, and every coach will tell you this and i know this from experience too obviously not at the professional level but you could have all the best players you want you still need time to make things click and for players to gel so it will take some time for Chelsea, but um, they've gotten another good player there. I was really convinced that he was going to be going to Liverpool. Uh, in the end, he didn't. And uh, Liverpool actually stole a game yesterday against Newcastle. Unbelievable finish. But uh, Liverpool looking good even without um, missing on some of the targets that they had hoped to sign. Otavio goes from Porto to Al Nassar for $51.4 million. Another massive money move completed for another Portuguese international by Ronaldo's club. Gee, your perspective here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much him and uh, Otavio and Ronaldo have played together for the national team, but I feel like there's got to be some sort of Portuguese sway uh, getting in there. There's been a lot of them uh, moving to the Saudi Pro League. I think it's a, an all right signing. He's never really uh, like taken off in Europe. He's just been kind of a very average, kind of slightly above average player. So I think for the club getting, what, 50 mil for him is great. Uh, he's probably making a bunch of money there. So And now playing with Ronaldo, like, can't really argue on his uh, perspective. No, you can't. And it's hard to argue with the perspective of Ronaldo because he released a quote last week and he stated, I was the one who moved to the Saudi Pro League first and I'll look at all the people who have followed. And uh, Saudi Pro League, even though they've got the money, they are attracting some amazing players there. And we might not say that Octavio is an amazing player, but definitely a good player that's going to have some great influence in that league. 
And finally, Usman Dembele goes from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain for $50 million. From one title-winning team to another, Dembele joins PSG from Barcelona after what appears to be a good bit of business by the champions of France. G, the market value is slightly higher than what PSG acquired Dembele for. Give us your analysis of this move. Yeah, it was actually uh, really smart uh, from PSG. He had a release clause that expired, uh, I want to say it was the first of this month. Um, so what they did was they basically, uh, they told Barcelona they were going to pay that fee and then spent whatever it was, 10, 12 days negotiating with Dembele to actually finalize it. So they still got him for the release clause, which is uh, great for them. I think it's, uh, I mean, like you're, you're trying to replace Messi and Neymar in attack. Like it's not really possible to do that. But I think Usman Dembele is a good, you know, if you're, he's not, you're not falling too, too, too far off there. Like you're not talking about like signing like 19 year old kids or like kids out of the academy. Like he's a good, very good winger. Uh, if he can stay fit, I think that would be, that's probably their biggest issue right now. But uh, if he's fit, I think he's uh, a very good signing for them. I do too, because uh, he's been proven down the years and he's not old, but he's not super young either. And I think uh, out wide, I think he's going to do really well. Like you said, Messi and Neymar not replaceable from an attacking perspective, but given the money that was spent for him and given the quality of the player that uh, now uh, that uh, PSG are going to attain, I think that all, all things considered, they've done a good bit of business. And as always, Gaetano, we did not cover every single signing this transfer window as of recent. Were there any transfers that we didn't discuss that have caught your attention, G? Uh, yeah, so Emeric Laporte uh, left Manchester City to go to, I think it's Al Nasser. I think it was Al Nasser in the Saudi Pro League for about $30 million. Um, Still only 29. I was shocked there was no like European clubs interested in him. At 29, left-footed centre-back, just one of the most highly sought-after kind of positions in defence. Uh, for a, kind of a two-and-a-half, three-year period, he was probably one of the best centre-backs in the world. Um, and then just kind of on a personal note, he played through an injury at the back half of the 21-22 season, kind of helped push City over the title, uh, line for the title when Stones and Diaz were out. So yeah, I guess one of my favorite City players, kind of like, he was never like one of the best, but he was just like kind of like cult hero status where he was just always very, very good, you know, phenomenal with the fans, just uh, had those moments of pure quality, won us a league title, actually scored the winner uh, against Brighton in 18-19. Yep. So yeah, uh, kind of sad to see him go, but uh, he's making an absolute bag uh, there. And we kind of replaced him with Joshua Guardiola. So it's like hard to be really upset as a City fan. But yeah, I think that's the only big one I think uh, that we haven't discussed. Yeah. And you know what? When I saw that one too, I thought to myself, because it had been reported that uh, Laporte wasn't necessarily happy with the amount of game time that he was getting, especially what he had done for the club down the years. Yeah. But obviously has his rotation and these sorts of things but then the second thought that popped into my mind I think that you'll appreciate this a lot I said it's probably a damn shame that Laporte didn't play as an inverted fullback because he was <laughs> permanently everyone wants those these days yep <laughs> and as mentioned in our previous shows here on full time the transfer news will continue to unfold as clubs have until Friday September 1st to make deals so just a few more days here and we know how crazy those days are going to be in our next show of full time we will have the final bits of the transfer market news for you all as the window closes again in just a few days time folks we now shift gears to europe's big five Gatano, since we last spoke the seasons have kicked off and we have not been short on games to watch how please have you been personally with the start of the european seasons oh it's just the best like there's nothing better than waking up on a sunday morning laying in bed and putting on Fubo TV and literally watching soccer all day. There's nothing better in the world. It's it's just the best. 
it's absolutely true and i concur with that statement i was with your 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 fellow co-host on the arrivals avery this friday <laughs> and uh, we were shooting some pool and i got up early saturday morning flicked on the tv made some coffee and uh, watched the english premier league so i am with you there's nothing better and what's even better is on those really cold winter mornings when you don't want to leave your house you got <laughs> league football on you don't have to which is just fantastic so i'm definitely with you there g and let's get things started by looking at the english premier league we're just three games into the season but it has been entertainment delight in england right now it's manchester city who are at the top of the table as the only team with a perfect record having won all three of their matches west ham tottenham liverpool and arsenal are below city each of those teams that I've just mentioned have two wins and one draw. So they as well are unbeaten at this moment in time. Catano, it's early days in the Prem, but what have you seen so far that you've liked? Um, I think City have just looked like they picked up exactly where they left off last season, which was just great for me. It's, you know, I love that. Uh, not a lot of rest. I mean, there's also not a lot of off season for them. So that kind of helps. Um, I've also like, it's every, like every team... The, the league is basically split in two. There's the really t- good teams and the really bad teams. There's no middle ground anymore. And I, lo- I kind of love that. Uh, the fact that there's always like a, a good team playing. There's no, uh, I, I remember like in like 13, 14, you'd watch and you'd get like Crystal Palace, West Ham. And you're like, that's just an awful game to watch. Like that's just not fun. Whereas now that game is phenomenal. It's really like high intensity, really, really good quality. So it's just, yeah, the league is just getting better and better, like and deeper. It's, it's just been great. Well, I fully agree with you. And the 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 days, in my opinion, of having an easy game, they're long gone. Yeah. And, I, and I just look at that purely from, not I shouldn't say purely from an Arsenal point of view, but if you take a look at just Arsenal's first three games, played Nottingham Forest the, the first game, last 10 minutes was chaotic. Arsenal had to see that game all. Then they played Crystal Palace. They go down to 10 men. They only win 1-0. And then this past week, Fulham draw with uh, with Arsenal super late. So again, there's no easy games, but like you said, it's going to be top half versus bottom half, but every game you've got to turn up to, even City the other day, I think Roger yep. rested it uh, against Sheffield United. So it's such an entertaining season already, only three games in, and we've got another 35 to go. So definitely great times ahead in the English Premier League. And a quick glance at the bottom of the table, it's Everton, Luton Town, Burnley, Sheffield United, and Bournemouth who have yet to pick up a victory. Gee, we can't make much of it because, again, we're just three games in. But might these teams continue to struggle moving forward, in your opinion? So I think two of the three will. I think Burnley, it's early. You know, they played City in their first game. That's never, you know, a, it's basically a write-off for them. Um, so that's always tough. But I do think that Vinny Company is going to turn them around. They might not finish, you know, top half, but they'll definitely, like, safely avoid relegation. Luton, Luton's at least, like, shown me something. Like, you can see there's kind of, sparks there's bits and pieces there everton have like they might as well just relegate be relegated right now they have shown me absolutely nothing like just nothing don't even haven't even scored a goal yet this season i know it's only three games but still like just they're they're done they're done yeah that was that was the most shocking statistic that i saw uh was just a picture of sean dyke with his with his head hung and it was just Everton for the first time. I don't know if it was in their history or from like however long ago because they had they're one of the clubs that have never been relegated from the yeah. top. Uh, scoreless in their first three games. To me, that's insane, like yeah. absolutely insane. So I also think that they're going to struggle. Um, and then as for Luton Town, I watched uh, the first half against Chelsea, and it wasn't until Raheem Sterling had that moment of magic uh, that you know 
Boomtown actually looked not half bad that game, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens there, but it's tough to make much of anything of the bottom in the first three games, but again, so much season left to play. Moving over to Italy, Serie A, it's Milan, Napoli, Inter, and Verona, who are all perfect in terms of uh, how they started the season with two wins each. G, your thoughts on Serie A in these early moments? Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the best title races in Europe. Uh, we talked about it a lot last episode. There's like four or five genuine contenders and plus a couple like outside shouts. Like this is probably going to be my favorite league to watch that I'm not like personally invested in. I say that while I'm wearing a Roma kit, but <laughs> you know, like I think this is going to be probably like the best title race in Europe this year by a mile. Yeah, I think it's going to be damned close and I'm really looking forward to it. And I actually reflected as I was preparing the notes, as I know you have your notes as well. We And everybody who watches our show knows that we prepare extensively for it. But I was thinking based on our last show, because I want to improve in these sorts of things, I thought, should I have really picked Inter for the title? And then I went <laughs> and I looked over and I thought, okay, I don't actually think now after really looking in depth that they would win it. But you just mentioned something there, and I think that they fall into that category of, I think they have an outside chance. They have a puncher's chance to really oh, yeah. something happen, right? So and I think it's just going to add to the title race there in Italy, and I'm really excited for it. In Spain's La Liga, Real Madrid is top. Atletico Madrid, uh, Girona, and Barcelona all share the same record in second position. G, are we set for a good season in La Liga based on this start? Uh, I hope so. I mean, top three is probably going to be some form of uh, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. I like Girona getting up there nice and early. You know, hopefully, you know, maybe a Cinderella story getting some European football there. But even the outside clubs, you know, you have Betis in ninth, uh, Athletic Club is in fifth, and Valencia is in seventh. So, you know, it's going to be a good race for those European spots. I think so, too, for sure. The Bundesliga in Germany sees the likes of Union Berlin, Bayern Munich, Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, and SC Freiburg with perfect records so far. Gee, I think we know who's going to win this as we've uh, <laughs> our season predictions and we talked about Harry Kane, but what can you say about the early stages of the Bundesliga? I mean, did you see Kane's, I think it was his debut or the second game? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he is going to run that league. It's going to be phenomenal to watch. Uh, I'm really excited to see kind of how he... Uh, I mean, he's already fit in well, but like after like six months, how he like looks there, he's going to look so much better. And there are some really good teams uh, in the Bundesliga. I think he's still just going to absolutely destroy them. Yep. And I, and I love the fact that Thomas Tuchel took some pressure off if there was even pressure in terms of uh, his media statement. I think it was their very first game that they had played in the season. It was for a, a cup. And uh, I, I think they may have, in fact, lost it. And he said, well, maybe Harry Kane believes that here at Bayern Munich we don't train. So maybe he's made the wrong move. But, of course, that was just to alleviate some of the, the media madness, if you will. But uh, Harry Kane is definitely going to tear up that league. There's no doubt about it. And finally, in France's league, Ur, Monaco are top. And Marseille have an equal record sitting in second position. What's more interesting to most fans is that PSG currently sit eighth, having one win and two draws. Gee, there isn't obviously a ton of data that we can go off of here, but is PSG looking like themselves in the early parts of the season? I mean, like, you don't need a lot of data to say, like, no. You know, PSG should at basically no point other than before mm -hmm. any games are played be in, like, eighth, eighth or whatever it is in the league. Um yeah, and I mean, they've had a massive, massive change this summer. No Messi, no Neymar. Uh, they've lost uh, Verratti. Like, they've lost a ton of guys uh, out the door. So, I mean, you expect some sort of uh, 
change up some sort of turmoil a little bit, hopefully by, you know, give it another couple of weeks, another couple of match days, and they kind of get back on the right track. Yep. And if uh, things don't, then that means that we're going to have a little bit of a shakeup in League Earth. From an outside perspective, that's always, always welcome. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. The Women's World Cup has officially wrapped up, and the champion has been crowned. Before we get into that, Gaetano, just how happy were you with the month of footy that we got to watch this summer in the Women's World Cup? Oh, it was so good. And like, the women's game is just getting better and better and better and better. Like, you know, you typically expect like a handful of teams to dominate and like all the favorites kind of end up get like knocking each other out along the way. But there was some massive upsets, some really, really great games along the way. The final itself was a phenomenal game to watch. So like, yeah, it was just an awesome, awesome tournament. It really was. And the only negative that you could probably ever take from this tournament is the fact that the games, uh, at least from our perspective here in Canada, were played so early. So it was tough to get up and watch some of those games or stay up as late as maybe we would have liked to. But all in all, some amazing matches, some really good goals scored in the tournament, amazing quality in terms of the players on display. And I was also really happy with the tournament for sure. The semifinals of the World Cup featured Spain, Sweden, Australia and England. After Spain narrowly defeated Sweden by a score of 2-1, to one, it was England who dispatched Australia 3-1. to one. In the third-place game, Sweden controlled the match and ultimately attained the outcome of a 2-0 victory, claiming third place. One of the co-hosts, Australia, had themselves a really good tournament after just falling short in the third-place game. Sweden, by all accounts, had a fantastic tournament as well, and have also uh, incidentally climbed to the top of the most recent FIFA World Rankings. G, your thoughts on these two teams and the outcome of the third place match? Yeah, uh, Sweden's always been a very, very good team, uh, at least like of recent anyways. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see them finish in third, uh, you know, being in and around that, uh, like the final there. Australia, though, uh, kind of like an okay team. Didn't really expect a lot from them, but uh, as the hosts were just phenomenal. They played so, so, so well. Uh, I was not expecting that from them at all. Um so definitely, obviously, it's a little uh, disappointing to get fourth, you know, don't get a medal. But like fourth place at a World Cup is still a huge achievement. And I know it's maybe going to hurt their players for a little bit. But like, I think they'll look back and be like, wow, like that was incredible. And this is a great base for the Australian Football Federation to kind of build on. So, okay, like we finished fourth. Now let's, you know, invest this time and money and resources. And let's, you know, see if we can push for a medal next time. And, you know, I think it's great for them. I, I agree with you 100 percent. And uh you know, I had Germany as my sort of dark horse to win the tournament, but I also said that uh, Australia, I thought, would do really well. And, of course, we picked uh, England and the States to, to sort of be there at the end. But I always felt as though Australia had a decent team, didn't know how far they would necessarily get, but they had themselves a great tournament. And Sweden showing uh, just how good of a team they really are as well. So definitely a good third place match and uh, a good victory for Sweden for sure. The World Cup final featured Spain and England. Two sides were pegged to do really well at this competition. In the end, it was Spain who defeated England by a score of 1-0. to nil. Gee, it's heartbreak for England after a really good tournament for them. Spain, who again, many people had them doing well in this tournament, but not many had them nailed on to win it all. But they did just that. Your thoughts, Gaetano, on both of these teams after what was an outstanding tournament for them both? Yeah, so we'll start with England. Um, probably one of the best women's teams in the world. 
uh, have been dominant after winning the Euros uh, and now obviously uh, finishing second in the World Cup. I thought they had a fantastic, fantastic tournament. Um, you know, I just like they just it's something the same as the men's team just like struggle to like get it over the line in those big, big, big moments. Um, and it's not entirely their fault because that Spain team was superb. Um, honestly, other than like the first like 20 minutes since uh, Spain kind of took control from there, it really, really reminded me of like or, like 08 to 2012, like the Spanish men's team where it was just like it was i mean i would say men against boys it was like women against girls like it was and that's it's the england team is so 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 good and they just looked so out of their depth against spain it was it was incredible to watch from spain's point of view anyways definitely and i looked at the record under the current manager of england going into that game and england had an insanely good record i think they had only lost one game in uh, 20 some or 30 some games in the lead up to that absolutely phenomenal but like you said Spain definitely didn't come out of nowhere because they were always pegged to do well at this tournament but not maybe necessarily to win it in that game they showed their class and uh, they were amazing to watch so well done to Spain and uh, so glad that we were able to watch a month's worth of amazing football and of course that officially concludes the FIFA Women's World Cup next up for international competition will be the 2024 men's UEFA Euro Cup hosted in Germany and Mile my, oh my are we ever excited for that qualification is uh, pretty much set to, to kick off so definitely looking forward to, to next summer hey Scarf, do you remember the uh the last international tournament in germany hardly <laughs> no, no, you, you 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 should i i do it was uh an unbelievable day i'll never forget it being at uh giovanni's and uh watching that game outdoors just uh an insanely <laughs> Uh, memorable time and uh, if Italy could do it again that'd be unbelievable by the way new manager with Italy Spalletti's in and yep. I saw that uh, Conte or not Conte beg my pardon uh, oh it's escaping me now is the new Mancini Mancini now going to Saudi Arabia is it yep, yep. yeah so just wild the moves that have been made there but uh, I said to actually posted it on Twitter that I thought that Spalletti was the right choice wasn't uh, wasn't in a job uh, just one the Scudetto with Napoli, and uh, I thought that it was definitely the right move. So a um, couple summers ago, unforgettable, uh, another great memory and, and feather in the cap for, for Italy, and hopefully we can uh, we can do it again. We'll move things a little closer to home now. G, the MLS has since resumed after the League's Cup has officially concluded. As we are, it's Cincinnati atop of the East, and it's St. Louis at the top in the West. Even bigger news has been announced just a matter of hours ago. John Herdman has been announced as the new head coach of Toronto FC. Gaetano, a huge bit of news, and I didn't see this one coming personally. I was uh, in a couple of meetings before we started recording here uh, this evening. So uh, you were actually the one who informed me of this news. But in your opinion here, what does this mean for Canada soccer and how big is this one for TFC? So for Canada soccer, it's a huge loss. They probably has lost the best manager they've ever had for the men or the women. He did phenomenal jobs for both teams. Uh, it's a huge, huge, huge hole to fill. And the whole federation is kind of in a bit of turmoil right now. Uh, so I don't blame Herdman for kind of getting himself out of that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, especially with the World Cup, uh, you know, literally coming to us uh, in a couple summers. Like that's going to be huge. For TFC, it's massive. They probably got one of the best managers got you know available uh you know outside of like the huge like that like the spalettis because i don't think spalletti was ever going to come here 
like a reason like realistically the best manager available uh we've seen him kind of take really really poor Canada sides and turn them into you know dominant in Olympic qual or in World Cup qualifying and they actually had a really good uh, World Cup tournament as well so I'm really really excited to see what he can do obviously it's not going to be like night and day he's not just going to come in and everything's going to be great again it's going to take a bit of time he's going to probably you know change up the squad to how he feels it needs to be I know he's really big on like uh like atmosphere and energy in the room so you're going to see maybe uh there's been some rumors of Insigne and uh the interim head coach Terry Dunfield fighting a little bit like you're going to see the, the big egos shipped out and the guys who want to be there and fight for the badge and fight for the club and hopefully kind of build it up to the the you know the 2016-2017 Greg Vanny teams but yeah it's a huge I think he has the the potential to do it um a big loss for the national team but I think this is for the Toronto FC this is huge signing yeah, well, I think definitely, too. And it's a little bit bittersweet, hopefully, with Canada soccer. Like you said, a little bit turmoil there for both sides, men's and women's. Uh, but hopefully things can get sorted out there. But for TFC, they needed a coach. And you even said a few shows ago, you would definitely welcome a coaching change at any point in time. I think yep. that probably uh, the majority of the fan base, including myself, would have. And um, if you were going to get anybody in, obviously, you, you'd look for the highest of high targets. But John Herdman, he is Canadian. He is here with us. Uh, he loves Canada. Like you said, he's going to set a precedence there. Culture, he is absolutely huge on. I think he's going to do a great job at TFC this season. Probably a wash, as we're going to talk about here in just a, a moment's time. But uh, moving forward, I think that getting Toronto FC back to the top is, is something that is definitely attainable. And with about 10 or so games left for each team, Gaetano, it's appropriate that we can now start looking at the playoff picture in the MLS. The top nine teams in each conference make the playoffs, which means that the playoffs are comprised of the top 18 teams in the league. As things stand, our beloved Toronto FC uh, are well out of the playoff picture with no real chance to get in, as we good and well know they are bottom in the East. Um, but what is really interesting is this. Just above TFC is Inter-Miami. And as we all know, because we've highlighted it a few times on our show, Lionel Messi is... Uh, one of the major signings in that team, of course. And uh, since he's arrived at the club, that team has just been unbelievable. And uh, Gaetano, Inter-Miami is currently 11 points out of a playoff spot. So with our focus here, got two questions. One, does Inter-Miami get into the playoffs? So will they make it? And two, do they have a chance to win it all, assuming that they do get in? They have Lionel Messi. They absolutely have a shot of getting into the playoffs. And once they get into the playoffs, they absolutely have a shot of winning it. Like... And I, like, I know it, like, that's such like a basic answer, but like, it's so true. Uh, he's already shown that he's still, obviously he's not like the old, old Messi, but he's still like easily the best player in the league. Uh, he's been like, cake, he cakewalked the league's cup. It was phenomenal to watch. Um, and I, yeah, I have no doubt that he's going to show up in MLS and just, because I don't think he's actually played a game in MLS yet. I think everything's been league's cup so far, right? Yeah, and there was a oh, there was a game the other day. It was just I, I don't I wasn't League's Cup because I believe it was after the final, but it was the ridiculous outside of the boot pass that sliced behind <sighs> the player, and then he got it back when the the player squared across the face of goal. And he just had an empty goal to tap it into. That may have been his first MLS game, unless yeah. it was a separate competition. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah. So like, yeah, if that if that was his MLS debut, then like, yeah, he is. He's going to be fine. There, he's like, he has the six best odds of winning the golden boot this year. If you go to bet, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm like, just coming, right. That's just insane. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, they, they have 10, 10 or 11 games, depending. I'm not sure exactly how many they play. 
uh, they have left on their schedule. It's always it's always a little funky, but yeah, like there's no no reason to believe that they can't if he kind of keeps this form up. And then obviously once you get into playoffs, yeah, like he's gonna turn it up to like. Can you just imagine if he goes like World Cup messy on them in, oh. in MLS Cup playoffs? Like if he just turns it up to that level? No, like it's over. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm with you too. I think that they'll get into the playoffs because it's interesting the way the MLS works because I just mentioned it there too. The top nine in each conference get in. So yeah. the getting into the playoffs are actually quite good, even if you just sneak one of the last spots. So I think that they'll probably end up getting like a seventh and eighth, maybe a ninth spot just because of the amount of games that are left and they're 11 points out of it. So I think they'll get in, but once they're in, it doesn't matter who they play. They got Lionel Messi, <laughs> got the likes of Busquets, they've got many other players. So I think they've got a great chance to win it, which uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And imagine that turning up to a team who are essentially last place in the league, come in, win a cup, get yourself into the playoffs, and you had no chance of getting into and then winning the playoffs. We could see it come uh, November, December, can't we? So we'll definitely keep highlighting the MLS on our show as, again, the MLS is in our backyard. And folks, it is now time for a local soccer update. Summer season has officially concluded for men's, women's, and youth divisions here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Gee, another summer season has come and gone. What can you say for the past three months? Uh, so I'll start by congratulating you on winning the league uh, again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, didn't, I forgot to do it before we started, so i do it on the show. Congratulations. Uh, Very much. Low-key, really glad I didn't have to play you guys in the final, because that's <laughs> just... It's just never fun playing to you guys. You guys are very, very, very good. Um, but from a personal standpoint, it was uh, it was an interesting summer. Uh, sat out the first half because uh, my team folded. Uh, then signed for a new team. Uh, played five games and then blew out my ankle. So uh, you know, uh, th- those five or six games though, it was really fun. It was a different experience, like playing with uh, you know a new team. I've only ever played with the, with my one team, so this was a you know a whole new way of playing, new guys. Uh, they're always kind of been one of the better teams in the division. So I was really excited to get a chance to play for them. So just uh, shout out AP and the Cicadas for signing me because that was uh, phenomenal of you guys. But yeah, it was uh, an, up until the injury and even kind of after uh, a great summer for me personally. How about you? Uh, you know what, Gia, I'm really happy for you that you were able to get on. You signed on with a, a incredibly quality team who's always done well in the league. And um, obviously I wish you the best with your recovery and your injury. I know you'll be back soon, very fit for the indoor season. But um, yeah, to, to your question there, uh, another amazing season. Uh, we were able to go unbeaten uh, this season again, which was amazing. Always great to play with my team because it's all guys that I grew up playing with since we were kids. And if it wasn't from when we were kids, we were teenagers when we played with the likes of Sioux Croatia or some of our guys played with Sioux Portuguese and these sorts of things. So it's always an honor to play with my team uh, and it's great to play with friends. But yeah, glad to win the, the league double. Uh, as well as the playoffs so it was another good season and uh, generally speaking can't uh, can't ask for much more so hopefully uh, the good times continue moving forward and uh, there will be just a very short pause here in the Sioux before soccer resumes again more specifically it will be less than three weeks until the men's soccer starts again the second annual fall tournament hosted by the Sioux's men's division the SFC Cup will kick off on Monday September 11th Gatano, this cup competition didn't go last year as the indoor facility here in the Sioux was under construction for the new hockey rink, which is now built. Amazing pads there, by the way. Uh, how great is it that we have another cup competition here locally? That's great. You know, I'm, I'm the type of person that will play at almost any chance. Uh, obviously, my injury is keeping me out of this tournament, but I should be good to go for the actual season. 
but yeah, anytime you can play for a trophy, it's phenomenal. Uh, our league is kind of very good at that. Always kind of keeping, uh, keeping like, there's always games, there's always something going on. We're always looking forward to the next thing. I love that about the league. So yeah, I, uh, I look forward to, I'll probably uh, stop by the NCC and uh, watch a couple of games, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. I agree with you for sure. And it's always nice, like you said, to, to play in these uh, cup competitions. There's always soccer going on, which is nice. And uh, a huge credit to, to men's soccer in Sault Ste. Marie because the, the directors and the board, they do a great job of making sure that that happens. And uh, they've also attached a cash prize to this tournament of $1,500 uh, for first place, $500, uh, or being my part of $400 for second place and $100 for uh, tournament MVP. So yeah, they do a great job and uh, I'm really looking forward to competing in that tournament in uh, just a couple weeks time. And with summer coming to a close, that means that college and university soccer in the province of Ontario, as well as Canada as a whole, will begin. We are less than one week away from games kicking off across the province and across the country for the next three months. Locally, it will be Sioux College and Algoma University who will be competing in the OCAA and OUA, respectively. Gatano, just how exciting are these times for the post-secondary schools here in the Sioux and for our community at large? Oh, it's, it's huge. It's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, I tried to get to as many games as I could last year with uh, with both you and my sister on the coaching staff. Tried to get out and support uh, the team as much as I could. It's great games. It's always fun. Uh, you know, playing up at Superior, it's a phenomenal field to be playing on and fun to be watching games. I think it's great. It's uh, And for these players, it's, you know, that's a lot of them, the reason that they are at uh, Algoma Morrison College is on scholarship. So it's, uh, it's huge for them. It's a really exciting time. Definitely. And, and I would argue so strongly that it's great for our community because it adds uh, the highest level of amateur soccer uh, in Canada in our city, because obviously you yeah. have uh, League One, you have the CPL, uh, but then below that you have OUA and OCAA, which again, highest amateur level that you can play at. So unbelievable that we have it here at both the college and the university. Algoma University has their first two games of the season, which will go Saturday, September 2nd and Sunday, September 3rd. Algoma will be playing against Windsor University. The games will kick off at 1 and 3 p.m. at Superior Heights Soccer Field, which you just mentioned, Gaetano, on both Saturday and Sunday. The women's team will kick off at 1 and the men play at 3 on both days. Sioux so College kicks off their season on the road, but they will have their first home games on Saturday, September 16th at Tom Tipton Field. And uh, with the OCAA rules, they're allowed to play on grass, whereas in the OUA, you can't. So those games for Sioux College will be at Tom Pipton. The women will kick off at 1 o'clock and the men will kick off at 3. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time. As we bring today's show to a close, we want to thank you for being with us to talk about the beautiful game. G, as always, nothing short of a pleasure, my friend. You know what? I've been kind of hobbling around the last couple of weeks, so it's nice to sit down and get this all out, talk about City, talk about, you know, everything, the World Cup. It was just a perfect way to end my day. Definitely. And this is, uh, I mean, like uh, like we always say at the beginning of our show, we either record weekly or bi-weekly. And I must admit, in all facets of my life, it's one of the things that I look forward to most. Love to record, love to prepare. And uh, the time that we dedicate to putting into this show is absolutely worth it because uh, the praise and accolades is, is one thing, but the enjoyment to just talk about the beautiful game is uh, above all else. So really enjoying it, G. And uh, thank you for everything, my friend. 
A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of September 18th, 2023. In that show, we will wrap up the summer transfer window news. We will examine Europe's Big Five. We'll analyze the MLS and we'll take a look at local soccer. As always, we will keep everyone in the loop with all of the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and 91N on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time, back here on The Game Sports Show and 91N. Best always.